Here's where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. We have a special international weekend review. After all, Canada can't keep all of the godless, insane tyranny to itself, can it? No, of course not. The rest of the world wants to share in that action too, and we'll bring you all the details. Bill 36 received royal assent in British Columbia on November 24th. That means, among a host of other clauses in the lengthy bill, the health minister in BC can impose COVID injection mandates and revoke the medical licenses of anyone who refuses to put heart exploding and ovary destroying poison in their bodies. And finally, a little bit of good news, Alberta's Sovereignty Act has officially passed, much to the disappointment of our prime tyrant, Justin Trudeau, who said, quote, hey, wait a minute. The only one who gets to be sovereign in Canada is me. I'm the only one who gets to do whatever I want without any accountability. Those truckers have ruined everything. Close quote. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. It's December 13th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. As always, we are so thankful that you have joined us on the program. We would encourage you to like, subscribe, rate, and review all our various shows on all the various platforms because that helps us get our content out to more people so we can continue to push back against mainstream media and expand that Overton window here in Canada. We are thankful also to be on a wonderful podcasting network with our friends at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. There's just a myriad of wonderful content from very thoughtful theologians, doctors, critics uh, of culture, all sorts of things on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. So you're definitely going to want to get on that network and check out everything going on there. You can also get our programs on demand at the Fight, Laugh, Feast network as well. And they have a very cool, very hip, handy app as well that you can download from the Google Play and the Apple App Store. So we would really suggest that you go over and do that because, as I said, you can get our stuff on demand on your phone. It makes your life really, really quite easy. So please be sure to go over and do that. Also, we have a myriad of content over at our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com, where we would suggest you check out everything that we have going on there. Um, you, you would subscribe to the email list at the bottom of the page. 
uh, so you can stay in direct contact with us so you can see everything that we have going on as well. And also, while you're over there, there's a donate tab at the top of the page there. We would suggest that you please go over there, leave us a donation. It can be even just a small monthly amount. It really helps go a long way. We have a lot of followers, and if all our followers just gave a small donation each month, that would go a long way in <laughs> ensuring that our programs, all everything that we want to do in the future will be able to be funded. So please, we would encourage you to do that. Once you go over to that page now, you're going to see two different options um, on the donate page. You can either select to donate to various advocacy and initiatives or you can select to donate specifically to what we do here on the news and analysis arm of the Liberty Coalition Canada. And if you donate to that arm of what we have going on, you will get a charitable tax donation thanks to our recent partnership with Christian Week. So we would encourage you to do that. We are trying to raise $400,000 so we can meet all our goals, all our needs, for the foreseeable future here um, coming into the new year. So we would recommend that you go over there and do that. And we thank you in advance for doing that. And we also thank all of you who have been so supportive of our programs, not just through prayer and, and sharing it, but also financially as well. And finally, you can reach out to us directly at the program. And we're so thankful that we get weekly emails from our dear listeners at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com, info at libertycoalition.com. We would encourage you to go over there and reach out to us. I'm going to say also, before we move on, I want to touch on that quickly, Matt. We really, really do want you to connect with us. We really want you to reach out to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, the first thing is questions, mm -hmm. theological questions, political questions, social questions, questions about what we're doing, personal questions about how I get my hair to look just like a good peak, and it's always consistent. Yeah. Questions about how, <laughs> how much how, how much pasta sauce and garlic yes, you need to eat right. on a weekly basis yes. to, to get hair but, like but, that. <laughs> but seriously, reach out to us. If we say something and you really disagree with it, let us know. Give mm -hmm. us an opportunity to say why we said this or why we believe this. Help to inform us. I mean, I love the fact that people are constantly feeding me really great stories and new stuff that's happening around the world. We really want you to interact with us. One of the plans we have, we can tip our hand a little bit in the new year, mm -hmm. is we would like to have a little bit of a mailbag, whether it's an episode or a portion of an episode, where we do mailbag, where we deal with your questions across all, all different types of questions. Send them our mm -hmm. way. We read the emails. We will respond. We want to have audience interaction. Criticize us. Anything you <laughs> yeah. want, send it our way mm -hmm. so we can deal with it. And make sure that you mention in either the subject bar or the body of your email mailbag question so that we know that that's something we can deal with on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Friends, Christmas time is fast approaching and you can be certain that all of the woke and status coffee companies that you despise will be offering cute little gift bags with bitter coffee and pagan mugs, all in an effort to take your money and fund their corporate socialism. That's why I'm thankful for our friends over at Resistance Coffee. 
they too have a wonderful gift idea for the holidays. Not only does their coffee taste fantastic, they also use part of your money to fund the fight for freedom and liberty in Canada. Head over to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and give the gift of coffee. You can purchase a little resistance. That's two bags of coffee, one mug, all your choice, some stickers and a nice gift bag for $55 free shipping. Or you can purchase a lot of resistance, which is four bags of coffee and two mugs, all your choice, a resistance gift bag and some stickers, just $95 plus free shipping. I don't want to exaggerate, but I'm going to and say that if you really, really love those around you, you will give them the gift of coffee this holiday season. Make sure you go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and keep using that slash LCC so that they know that we sent you. Absolutely, buddy. Well, I I have purchased a lot of resistance stuff. I know you have too. I've been blessed by it. Anytime I show anybody that stuff, they're like, hey, I need that. So I'm thankful for resistance in the fact that they have fulfilled many of my Christmas shopping needs with their sweet swag, with their wonderful coffee. So we would definitely say, go over there, check that out. You're not going to be regretful of doing that. And they have that wonderful deal that um, had I not been proactive in getting that Christmas stuff, I would have been able to use it. <laughs> but we want to encourage you to do that. Um, uh, so go over to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. Andrew, we are at that time of the week where we're getting into a new week and we want to cover a myriad of stories. Um, international stories. And this week, as you said at the top, it's International Story Week in our week in review. So let us cue it up. So first of all, Andrew, we have a story coming from the United Kingdom, uh, partners of ours from the, the Commonwealth. And the story that's coming out of the UK is the fact that prosecution service says some Bible verses, get this, are inappropriate to read out loud in public. This is not a joke story. This is not the Babylon Bee. This is real life, everybody. John Dunn, a street preacher, was charged with using, with using threatening or abusive words or behavior or disorderly behavior within the hearing or sight of a person likely to be caused harassment, alarm, or distress thereby. It was alleged he shouted that the woman would burn in hell and called one of them a devil woman. Mr. Dunn denied this, though his lawyer at the Christian Legal Center said he acknowledged telling them, it says in the Bible that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. The CPS presented the following argument in writing to the defense, whether a statement of Christian belief or not, the court is being asked to consider whether the language has the potential to cause harassment, alarm, or distress. This document is not the forum for religious debate, but the Bible contains other materials recognizing slavery, Exodus 21.7, 
The death sentence, Exodus 35.2 and Leviticus 24.16, and cannibalism, Deuteronomy 28.27. There are references in the Bible which are simply no longer appropriate in modern society and which would be deemed offensive if stated in public. Man, those scripture references, Andrew, are a contextual oh boy that is something i I just let me just read something just so we so i'll let you know how i feel about this okay just okay you know yeah whatever okay give us your thoughts yeah just my thoughts okay so uh first corinthians chapter six starting in verse nine or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let me say unequivocally that anyone who rejects Christ and lives a life of sin will die in their sin and will spend an eternity separate from the goodness of God and will pay the full price for their sins under the wrath of a just and holy God for all time. But for those who turn from their sin and trust in Christ, they will receive peace with God, forgiveness of sins, a cleansing of their unrighteousness, and the hope of eternal life. And the glory of the gospel is that God takes sinners who hate him and turns them into children who love him, covered with the righteousness of their son, no longer identified as the sinners that they used to be. And let me tell you something. Ain't no one going to tell me that I can or cannot say that in public and out loud, because this is the hope that we have. And if any state thinks that this is inappropriate to say, then that beastly antichrist state must realize that they are now in opposition to the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think about this. <laughs> and and obviously it's offensive to natural man and the sinful predilections of natural man, right? The gospel is an offense. The Bible speaks of it in just that way. Um, but notice when you read 1 Corinthians 6, it's not just... You know, our culture wants to hone in on the fact that um, the Bible clearly states the normative sexual behavior for human beings, which precludes it. It, it does not include homosexuality and and all the various sexual promiscuity and predilections that are involved in the LGBTQ plus IA everything uh, moniker. But that condemns homosexual, if you're going to use that terminology, and heterosexual alike, right? When when Paul's talking about your, those who engage in sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God, it's not limited to homosexual, uh, homosexuals. Now, Paul in Romans 1, 18 through 32, is very clear that that 
that act in and of itself gets to the disordered nature of the corruption, this switch of the worship of the creature rather than the creator and, and what that entails. So it's in one way, it's not the same. Um, but nevertheless, regardless of whether it's heterosexual sins or homosexual sins, we're called to flee sexual immorality regardless disqualifying in terms of our entrance into the kingdom of god so andrew One that disqualify you more than another is there both? yeah and i've used this analogy before that if you if it's a math test and the answer is what's two plus two and if you put five and i put seven thousand one hundred and twenty three we can't say that you were more right than i was it's yeah. four or fail and yeah. what we're saying is that all sins are a mm -hmm. fail it doesn't matter how far they venture with regards to one's entrance into the kingdom of God. That's that's what we believe as Christians. Yes, absolutely. So so listen, the the gospel was an offense to me as a sinner dead in my sins and trespasses who engaged in all sorts of sexual immorality and shameful acts prior to Christ. But that offense is necessary in stopping me in my tracks and um, and leading to repentance, right? That, that gospel offense is the very thing that called me out of a life of sin and death into God's kingdom of light and righteousness in Christ. So, yes, the gospel is an offense, um, but... This gets at the fact that we no longer in a society believe in free speech because honestly, free speech includes offensive speech, right? Um, it, as a pro-lifer, I think it's insanely offensive when people diminish the life in the womb and talk about it as a clump of cells and dehumanize that in all those manners. That's extraordinarily offensive speech to me because it's the same sort of uh, mindset that has le led to genocides of populations throughout history. It's deadly. It's destructive. It's evil. It's greatly offensive to me. But because that speech is offensive to me, I cannot like it, it doesn't give me the right to stop that from happening. Yeah, we can't say that they should be arrested for it. No, exactly. We can't say that they need to go to jail for their their offensive speech because the 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 qualifier or the category of hate speech mm -hmm. is a rather gnostic development. You yes. cannot you cannot punish speech mm -hmm. based on the motives and being able to discern those motives. You simply need to let people speak unless they're calling for acts of violence or engaging in slander or libel, which are punishable. Yes. At the end of the day, people being people need to be allowed to say because they'll, they'll, things, they'll, they'll or in our case, true things about God and about the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, like because the, again, this is another instance where the state is trying to play God because it's God who will it's everyone will give an account before God for every idle word that leads their mouth. That's right. They're not getting away with it, guys. They're, they're not escaping justice mm -hmm. at the end of the day. But when the state usurps their God-given authority and wants to play God, that includes making people give an account 
to for every word that leaves their mouth according to their standard of righteousness and justice. So here again is another instance where the general statism that has crept into our society has detrimental results. And I mean, it's amazing, Andrew. Like these people are lawyers. And the the argument that they're putting forth that the this document um <laughs> the bible contains offensive materials and they're just citing uh, references to slavery the death sentence and cannibalism is so insane because the fact that the bible have watched, just have you watched netflix lately well but i mean <laughs> i mean it, it's just it's just so God. insane to me because 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 the like it's just a fundamental category error because the Bible describes behaviors it right. does not necessarily mean it prescribes behavior. But that's not but that's not what they're at. You we, you and I know that's that that's that's a veneer. Oh, that's that's a canard. What they're really oh yeah. After but I mean, still the yes. logic well, the, frustrates me. Yeah, the foolish the foolish mind that's been darkened by sin yeah. can't understand these things. So yeah. before we move in the next story, I just want to say, followers of Christ, this is coming here. This is coming for you here. So I just want to say lovingly, choose this day whom you will serve mm -hmm. today. Not tomorrow, not when it happens. Decide today in your heart, who will you serve? Mm -hmm. Will you serve the Lord? Will you proclaim his word boldly and unapologetically? Doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. Doesn't mean you have to be overbearing. Mm -hmm. But will you proclaim and read that which is true in the word of God? Or will you cover your light with a basket? Mm -hmm. Who will you serve? And by God's grace, may you say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will Absolutely. serve the Lord today. Mm -hmm. So our uh, our next story is, it really, it is a venture. This one into, could be a Babylon B one. It is utterly <laughs> absurd. It is utterly absurd. And it highlights the, the incompetence of an overbloated state. Mm -hmm. And when they have committed themselves to lies and deception and tyranny, they are the furthest thing from rational possible. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the story. I'm going to say this, and then we're going to get into it. In Germany, if you would like to have a doctor assist in your suicide, you have to be jabbed with a COVID injection first. Okay, just let that sink in. Let, if you want to die, you can't, you can't be murdered by your doctor unless you first inject poison into your body. That's the story. So as European countries continue to battle the limit or continue to battle to limit the spread of the virus, Verein Starbleife, if I didn't get that right, please, my German friends, let me know. It's the German Euthanasia Association. Just a, I can only imagine what their Christmas parties are like. I'm sure they're fantastic. They have issued a new directive declaring it will now only help those who have been vaccinated or recovered from the disease. In a statement, the association said, and they said it in German, so it sounds much angrier and more aggressive than I'm about to read it in English, but this is what they said. Euthanasia and the preparatory examination of the voluntary responsibility of our members willing to die require human closeness. 
<laughs> I, I'm gonna, hold on. I'm going to come back to that. Human closeness, however, is a prerequisite and breeding ground for coronavirus transmission. As of today, the 2G rule applies in our association, supplemented by situation-related measures such as quick tests before encounters in closed rooms. Now, those statements there, not only are they absurd, but they're, 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 they're vile anti-reality. Right, we, people are willing to die require human closeness. Right, they require human closeness, which in part is why you've probably isolated them from their loved ones for the last two and a half years, because you understand that people do require human closeness. People do require interaction. We do require to be near to our friends and family and our churches and not be told to shelter in place. We do require that. And you know what? You're right. Human closeness is risky. Not risky because of a virus, not risky because you're going to catch a cold, but risky because that kind of closeness and relationship and vulnerability is difficult and can cause hurt. And so what are they saying? Well, you know, they don't even understand how they're being prophetic. They're like the high priest Caiaphas in, in the story in the New Testament where he said, oh, it's better that one man should die than all the people should die. With regards to Jesus, he didn't even realize he was being prophetic by speaking about what Christ would do. So here they don't even realize that they're being prophetic, that they're right, that human beings require human closeness. And maybe, just maybe, if we didn't spend the last three years isolating people and separating them from their loved ones and actually embracing human closeness, you might not have, as we did in Canada last year, 3.3% of all of our deaths came from doctor-assisted suicide. Maybe people wouldn't be seeking this out at record numbers. Maybe we wouldn't be making our old people expendable mm -hmm. if we cared about human closeness and didn't just see human life as mere biotic mm -hmm. life. It's, it's absurd. It's maddening. Mm -hmm. And they don't even realize how close they are to the truth when they're trying to make an utterly absurd statement. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they're also talking about the fact that killing somebody... <laughs> though medically sanctioned and sterile in this environment requires proximity. <laughs> you, you have to be close together to do it. And here these insane people are literally putting regulations in place to protect murderers. <laughs> Those people yeah. who are assisting... The murderer can't get COVID. Either. Yeah, we, we, we Dr. wouldn't... <laughs> Dr. Kevorkian cannot get the flu. That's exactly. Exactly. He's, he needs to be in full health if he's going to kill you. Like it just, it, yeah. It's, 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 I, I'm, I'm laughing because it's so uncomfortable and so awkward. But it's like we need to make sure our like I can just imagine the ad again. It would be in German, so it would sound angry. But mm -hmm. our doctors need to be in full health if they're going to kill you. Yeah, they need. Yeah. They need to make sure that they're not sneezing. They can't sneeze all over you before mm -hmm. they're about to put poison in your body. <laughs> I mean, we can't have that happen. Yeah, I mean it's it does point out the the absurdity of of the culture of death and it 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 does yeah it's chilling it's a chilling story it is it is it's comical but in the most macabre way <laughs> and um, it's comical again, it, in a tragic comedy yes yeah it truly is truly is but nevertheless that's what's coming out of Germany now let us go to another Commonwealth nation Andrew to finish up. Our time here on the Week in Review, and this story 
we've been covering as it's unfolding and um, it's gut wrenching. But nevertheless, we go to New Zealand, New Zealand, where um, the government has sided with the surgeons over baby Will's surgery um, and the fight to stop an unwanted transfusion of unvaccinated uh, vaccinated blood. Part of me ended when police escorts helped to remove a sleeping baby Will from his bed and his loving parents arms the violation of parental medical rights and informed consent was caught on film and viral immunologist dr brian byram bridal who's been on the show before has said that the parents hold a solid scientific rationale for questioning the safety of a blood supply that neither identifies nor separates products based on COVID-19 vaccine status. And as we've said previously on the program, this accommodation for the parents seems not only reasonable, but eminently possible. Yet the uh, hospital has refused to do it. Instead, they they sought to call in child and family services or the, the like in in New Zealand to remove this baby forcibly through police escort from their parents. And that is sadly the gut wrenching clip that I want to play for you now. Now before so baby before, needs as much rest as possible so that he can Excuse me, what are you doing? No, don't don't do that, boys. Hey, don't do it. Hey, stop Please don't do it. You, you know, we're talking about the surgery. You guys are criminals. You are criminals. You are conducting a criminal act here. So with the pre-op test, it needs to happen before the surgery. And hey, it won't happen tomorrow. we've been talking to you like rational people, and now you're just removed. You, you've got it. You are criminals. You, You guys are acting like criminals. We're just, we're just you are acting like criminals. All of you are criminals. Okay. Why did you do that? He's going to be okay. No, he is not going to be okay. We need to take him for his... We need to take him and we need to do... You are criminals. You will be able to see him after the surgery. You guys are criminals. You are going to be recorded <laughs> in the annals of time as criminals who come in here and take babies from their mothers. Do you understand that? <sighs> Andrew, <laughs> these are not stories that I like to cover on the Liberty Dispatch, but... There you have the just gut-wrenching interaction, uh, just a portion of what is a seven-minute-long video that we will link in the description below for those who are interested in seeing the full interaction as it was caught on film. Uh, but there you have it, this dispute that has been going on between the hospital and these parents who, um, for, I think, very appropriate reasons as uh, dr bridal has mentioned uh, did not want their child to go through a procedure that led to the death of an infant in a very similar circumstance in new zealand previously um nevertheless instead of acquiescing to their reasonable 
demands uh, you saw in that video the police taking their child away forcibly to give him a procedure against the wishes of their parents. And that is unfortunately the world that we live in now. And I think that is just a harbinger of things to come on, on our shores as well. Because the same logic that's gone underneath all this stuff um, in New Zealand and Canada exists. So heart-wrenching, I mean, yeah. What, what do you have to say about the video, Andrew? Um, okay, so we may lose some subscribers and viewers <laughs> here. That's fine. But I know many of you are thinking this, uh, mm -hmm. so, so I'm going to say it. This is why a country disarms its people. Because there's no recourse at this point. Because if you are defenseless... And if you are at the at, 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 at the mercy of your elected officials and their law enforcement agents, then they can stand they you are they were in the same room and these officers with guns and bulletproof vests stood there blocking parents from grabbing their own baby. This is why you disarm a population. This is why you make them dependent upon the state. This is why you bombard them with years of fear and anxiety. And this is why you convince them that you're doing everything for their good and for the collective good so that you can engage in this kind of tyranny. And so this is why Canadians need to be in uproar about the kind of legislation that we see coming our way and that's on, on its way to disarm us, to remove the freedoms and the rights that we have, to continue to handcuff us for stuff like this. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is this, while we've already read a couple of inappropriate to be read in public Bible passages, let me read one more. This is from Exodus chapter 21, verse 16. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Now, the reality is they're not taking this baby and then selling him but they are stealing this baby from his parents. They are injecting this baby with blood against the parents' wishes that according to many, many experts could be detrimental. And like you said, Matt, we saw another baby in New Zealand, Alexander, who died from a stroke just days after receiving blood. So they've stolen a baby from the parents. They're going to inject the baby with blood against the parents' wishes at potential risk to the baby's life. And then they're going to take the baby downstairs after having injected the blood and then performing open heart surgery, which the parents want, but they don't want it in this context. And then they prevent the parents from taking the baby. The, the, here's my hot take. I am not calling and nor would I ever call for any kind of vigilante justice, any kind, any kind of lawless act. I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying. In a truly just country, all of those officers, all of those health people, all of those employees of the hospital who were involved with the stealing of a baby from their parents should be tried and they should be executed. They deserve the death penalty for stealing a human being, a helpless human being from his parents and then injecting this baby with a foreign object and substance against the parent's wishes, and then taking this child down to perform surgery. They should all be tried, 
and they should all receive capital punishment in a just world. Now, that's not going to happen. And the good news is, as you've already said, Matt, that the sovereign, just Lord of the universe doesn't let anyone get away with it. This mm -hmm. is why the modern social justice movement is folly, because mm -hmm. they believe we can create utopia now. They mm -hmm. believe that our job now is to make sure that all sins are paid for mm -hmm. and that all justice is dispensed. But we understand that no one gets away with it. Everyone mm -hmm. will stand before the king someday. And those who are in Christ can glory in the fact that their sins have been paid for already through the blood of our Savior. But those who have not bowed the knee to Christ... You have to believe they will get what's coming to them before the judgment. We don't have to worry about it. We can rejoice in the fact that if any of those people, they should be tried and they should be punished by a just state. But even if it doesn't happen, if they don't turn from their sin and trust Christ and repent for that great evil, then you can be certain that justice will most definitely be dispensed someday. But mm -hmm. I hope for the day that a just state would—this is Romans 13— yeah. That a just state would wield the sword justly and say, you have engaged in man-stealing, you have forfeited your life. That is gut-wrenching, heartbreaking mm -hmm. evil that, that's going on in New Zealand. And, and the irony of the situation, the bookends of the story, right? You have the UK saying some Bible verses are inappropriate to say in our modern context because the Bible has promoted things like recognizing slavery they don't make the proper distinctions between chattel slavery and uh, indentured servitude um those are very important distinctions to understand um nevertheless they say this but they then in they would probably support and engage in the acts that the Bible fully condemns, which is man stealing, right? So chattel slavery that took place and that we was was destroyed and abolished by Christians in in the UK. That's the irony of this whole situation. Is it was Christians, um, William Wilberforce, Granville Sharp, and the the um, the Society for the Abolition of the Slave Trade, all devout conservative Christian Methodists that sadly not many of those exist anymore, but they ended slavery. They put that under the feet of Christ um, because of their Christian convictions. So to, to say that the Bible can't be used in public in the public square because it somehow condones uh, chattel slavery, it's false. It's absolutely unequivocally false and shame on the lawyer for being so dishonest. But then at the same time, you probably have this lawyer that would condone this activity that is actually condemned in scripture, which is man stealing. Yeah, and behold, and you've said this before, behold the Christless, the Christless state, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. have to understand people, friends of ours, allies of ours in the freedom movement who may not necessarily mm -hmm. submit their lives to Christ. Mm -hmm. I have to plead with you the standard upon which you base your freedom and your justice and your liberty, it's in midair. It's, it's on the sand. And so at the end of the day, they will determine which justice is just and which justice is unjust because it's arbitrary rules. Common sense is arbitrary. You know, mm -hmm. societal uh, acceptance is arbitrary. So mm -hmm. if you want this, you need to reject Christ and his law. But if Absolutely. you actually want justice, real justice, and real righteousness, it is not found in anything other than the Word of God and the Lord Himself, who is the standard for all things. Otherwise, I'm telling you, 
if you're just saying freedom for freedom's sake, and if you're just saying liberty for liberty's sake, this is where it ends. It mm. doesn't end where you think it ends. It will always end here. Only mm. a Christ-centered justice and liberty gets you where we want to get. I, you have to see that yeah. at this point. It's Christ or chaos. It's in, in that that is those, those are the only two options. So today, pick as Andrew has said, which one you will serve. Because there is no middle ground. The, the biblical antithesis holds. It's inescapable. And that's the one thing I'll give the Marxists. They understand that neutrality is a myth. They're right about that. Now, they call people to serve the kingdom of darkness in a satanic way. But at least they understand what's at stake, that there is an absolute antithesis. And we want to call people to, to understand who to serve. And the fact of the matter is, so the UK, the death sentence, oh, the Bible contains the acts of the death, it promotes the death sentence. Well, a, a lot of countries around the world still have the death sentence. It's not just as though like um, the death sentence is, despite what our Supreme Court is going to say, is against human dignity. No, the biblical view of the death sentence is a promotion of human dignity. If you read Genesis, if you read Genesis worth, 9, right? it's because there is no ability to uh, for the state to disperse re retributive justice in specific crimes that are such a violation against the Imago Dei, against human dignity, that the death penalty is called for and is just under certain circumstances because of that violation. That's what people have to understand. It is actually because of human dignity and the Imago Dei and, and, and what that means that the death penalty is required for just retru retribution. But the, the crazy part, again, is they say no death sentence for criminals, for man-stealers, for, for people who are doing... You, you know, in Canada for mass murderers, right? For terrorists, we won't even give people the death penalty. You know who we will give the death penalty? Innocent preborn children. Yep. Elderly people. We'll kill them instead of caring for them because of our broken healthcare system. So we do believe in the death penalty. We just want to give it to the most innocent, vulnerable people in our society rather than people who actually have forfeited their right to life and the reason the reason why that is and our, our audience our many of our audience understands this the reason why that is matt is the unavoidable spiritual reality that there will always be a god and a religious system and every religious system mm -hmm. every religion this is baked into the this is baked into the very fabric of the universe mm -hmm. every religious system will always require sacrifices and those sacrifices will often be blood sacrifices mm -hmm. this is the unavoidable reality you will mm -hmm. there's always a blood sacrifice required to mm -hmm. appease the sovereign god in order that you might be at peace with him and mm -hmm. so in ancient times that was sacrifices to the god of molech or shemosh Mm -hmm. Or it's the it's, but and and in today's world, it's the blood sacrifice of innocent babies in order to appease the God of consequence, free sex and autonomy. And mm -hmm. what we're saying is, yes, we agree that there must be a blood sacrifice in order to appease God. But we assert that that blood sacrifice was Christ, the lamb upon that cross 2000 years ago, which is what we celebrate this Christmas time. 
The glory of the incarnation is that the light of the world comes into the darkness to save God's people, right? Jesus as a light of the world isn't like a little candle. It's a spotlight that is searching for those who were in darkness to save them and to bring them out of spiritual death into spiritual life. And we believe also that a blood sacrifice was required, but we don't think it's our children like this death cult does. We understand that that was Christ who paved the way, who died so that we would be saved. Understand this. There's a <laughs> deep, profound spiritual reality. You cannot escape this. And it must be noted, Christ's blood sacrifice was once for all right. who would come to him. So this perpetual ritual is not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's fulfilled in Christ. And what we're calling people to is come to the kingdom of life, forsake the kingdom of darkness, and hide yourself in the cleft side of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who did provide that once for all propitiatory sacrifice, the death that we deserved. He took that upon himself. So, I mean, these stories are heartbreaking, mm-hmm. but they just prove where you have this, this counterfeit God state that's coming in and it, it's aping what the Christian gospel is. And all it leads to is chaos, death, and destruction. And this is the greatest enemy that the Christian church is facing in our day and age. We have to put this evil antichrist godless state under the feet of christ for the sake of our neighbors for love of neighbor for their betterment because something like this i mean that's unthinkable that a parent who's just trying to do what's in the best interest of their child trying to they're they're responsible for giving consent they love their kid more than these doctors more than the states um to to have their kid kidnapped from them and a procedure forced on him against their will it's just truly truly despicable stuff and i know we used you know heavy language and um you know we we spoke boldly about this situation but again it's just to highlight the, the this biblical antithesis the the fact that it's either Christ or chaos. It's mm-hmm. it, it, whom are you going to so, serve? You have to pick someone. You have to pick a kingdom. It's it's not whether, it's which. And that's something that we want to, while we're thinking through these stories, be able to highlight because that's a worldview foundation that that it's there and it's inescapable. So, And if, if you reject Christ mm-hmm. and if you keep him out of politics, you get mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's what you get. And yeah. you might say, oh, no, that's not true. No, it is true. How do mm-hmm. I know it's true? Open a open a history book. Yeah. That's how it's true. Yeah. If you reject Christ and if you keep him out of politics and you keep him out of the public square, that's what you get mm-hmm. every time. That's yeah. And just it just really thoughtful for because we know that not all our uh, our viewers are Christians, not all the listeners are Christians. Please do yourself a favor study the 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 state and how it was administered in pagan states and 
study historically how the state and how it was administered in atheistic states. And you tell yourself whether or not those are societies that you want to live in. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, yes, sure, through progressive sanctification and progressive, you know, generations, the church and Christians have been working out the implications of scripture more and more, leading to a better and just society. Um, sure, it's not all been perfect, but there's no doubt in the in, in there's it's it's evident it's absolutely evident that and you don't have societies to go that far. no societies where the yeah. gospel has permeated are the most just most prosperous most thriving societies in human history protections for women protections for children mm -hmm. the actual ending of atrocities protection and if, and, of conscience right and individual rights and freedoms you just, you just have to look 100 mm. years you just have to look at russia at the turn of the 20th yeah. century germany in the 30s and 40s cuba in the 50s and mm -hmm. 60s that's all just look and at just, those three and ask also, yourself the question, also that or christ yeah also just listen hey i i think our listeners regardless if they're christian or not you probably hate the wef right well, we've played Yuval Noah Harari on the program before. What does Yuval say? And I think he's right. This is very Nietzschean of him. But he says human rights are a Christian myth. So just listen to the detractors of Christianity. They say, oh, yeah, this is a system that is totally made up based off of this Christian myth. And they're saying exactly what we're saying. Only they are ones who are calling for a, di a digital dictatorship and hacking into human beings and creating meat machines and destroying th the global population, all those things. We're saying that's evil and disgusting and is against these God-given, uh, God-ordained rights. But they're saying what we're saying. They're agreeing with us, right? They're saying human rights and civic rights that flow from those are a Christian myth. So don't take our word for it. Take the, the words of those who hate us and want to see us thrown in jail or canceled or just shut up or brainwashed. Take their word for it. And that includes some of these people you hate from the WEF. The WEF is as evil as it is because they're a godless, God-aping organization. So if you hate them understand that 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 is that if you're an atheist or an agnostic you're sharing the same fundamental fundamental worldview that they are and that should hopefully lead you to consider what what foundation you're standing on and maybe the fact that you despite your basic religious presuppositions you're living more consistently as a Christian based off Christian principles than you are as an atheist or an agnostic. So things yes. for you to consider. And we always appreciate pushback, dialogue. We, I mean, that is why we encourage you to reach out to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com so we can have these conversations because Unlike the left, we're not going to cancel you for disagreeing with us because we are tall. We're truly tolerant, right? Tolerance actually presupposes disagreement or dissension. <laughs> 
unithought does not is not tolerance right and and then also having the absence of any moral standards is just amorality and relativism it's not actual tolerance so that's the distinction we would have to make we're actually tolerant we want to have these conversations and really we care about you enough to not treat you like children who we have to use these little slogans and dumbed down sentences to to whip you up into anger or fear or anything. We want to have real discussions with you. So anyways, Andrew, so <laughs> that was speaking of, uh, speaking of the appropriation of a Christian worldview and the benefits that come from Christian belief in a Christian worldview. It's Christmas time celebrated by everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved Christmas <laughs> and whether or not you believe that Jesus is the son of God in flesh, that he's God's anointed one you're still going to get a couple days off this Christmas time, mm -hmm. and you're still going to reap the benefits thank of a Christian. Christmas. <laughs> Actually, so, thank Christ. Uh, no, yes, but thank, I mean. you, thank him first, correct. <laughs> yes. So this Christmas season, why not give the gift of financial freedom and sovereignty to your loved ones with Bitcoin? An uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. As Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, Bull Bitcoin is a completely self-funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are their top priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet where they have complete control. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money, you own the money. Head over to mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC today and get started with your account. And don't forget to contact their best in business customer support team for assistance at any point in the process. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. As we move now, Matt, to our first story, this is one that for many has skated under the radar. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are not totally familiar, even some of my contacts in BC, as I'm kind of unpacking this for them, they're like, I had no idea this was going on. The JCCF, our friends at the JCCF wrote a very, very good mm -hmm. article on this back when this was still in its third reading or about to enter its third reading, and it's all still true. Mm -hmm. And the third story is that Bill 36 has passed in the BC Legislative Assembly. We have links to Bill 36, and it's a long one. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff, but we have links and we have some key words that you need to search out in this bill to see what's going on. So Bill 36, the 2022 Health Professionals and Operations Act, received royal assent in the Legislative Assembly of British Columbia on November 24th of this year. Under the General Licensing Bylaws, Section 49, we read this in subsection one, quote, a board must make bylaws respecting the following, then point B, eligibility standards, including standards respecting all of the following. One, education, training, experience, and other qualifications, including continuing professional development. Three, Evidence of good character, including character references and other types of checks and references. So I'll stop right there. Basically, what they're saying is before we actually license someone, 
and we see if someone's eligible to receive their medical license, we need to look at their education, training, and experience. You know, if that's fair. We need to look at evidence of good character and, and character references. Of course. Yeah. Check out point five. Mandatory vaccinations required under an enactment other than the bylaws against transmissible illness, transmissible illnesses. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. So, so you're going to license someone and you're going to check their character, their qualifications and whether or not they have the mandatory vaccines on their record. Wait a minute. That's scary. Yes, it is. We also but, read. But this Andrew, in- Andrew, I thought they always did this. Why would they have to write this into law right now if this was just normal? Right. We were told for two and a half years that, oh, everybody's always had to have vaccinations mm-hmm. yes. to have jobs and to work in well, health care and medicine. They've, re- and- they've changed the definition of vaccination and they've reintroduced, reintroduced, they've introduced the mRNA shots and people still got to make their money and mRNA mm-hmm. technology. We, we should link to this as well. There's an, there's an interview with our good friends over at Bright Light News. They did with Byron Bridal and Dr. Robert Malone. And what they're basically saying is the push now is that mRNA technology is going to be used in all vaccines, not just for humans, but for animals and apparently also in vegetation, that mRNA technology will be used in various forms of growth and produce and in animals and in humans. And so that money's got to be made, Matt. So they and have to right, change it and, up. And um, the mRNA technology is not technically, historically what we've meant by vaccines. It's yes. a totally new tech that does not do the same thing that old vaccinations have done. And I mean, people know that that's not a controversial statement, but the, the I think it is important in this oh, context. It did, many, it did get many of my posts taken off of Facebook. <laughs> well, <laughs> not yes, that long course. ago, because yeah. they just accept the new definition and say, "Oh, you fall fall out the, the you know." That's why Doug Wilson's always right in saying that uh, a lot of these culture wars are a war uh, a war over the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Who gets to de- ter- determine what's what? Um, nevertheless, Andrew, continue along with the story. So that's subsection one. So in subsec- subsection three, we read this. A board may make bylaws respecting the following. And then section F, mandatory vaccinations required under the bylaws against transmissible illnesses. Now, our friends over at the JCCF had this to say, and this again was while this bill was still about to enter its third reading. So this is prior to royal assent, but it still is applicable today. This is what they say. Bill 36 contains provisions which, if enacted, and now it's law, will permit the health minister to appoint college boards who must unilaterally establish vaccination requirements on all health practitioners for any illness the government deems requires vaccination and to impose proof of up-to-date vaccination status as a condition of licensing. The passage of Bill 36 would enable the health minister to impose a COVID vaccine as a condition of licensing on all health practitioners in the province. The proposed legislation encroaches on the common law and statutory authority of self-governing professions granted by the Health Professions Act of BC to govern themselves in public 
interest. So let me let me cut through all this. And this is what this is now the case in British Columbia, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't China. This isn't Russia. This isn't Venezuela. This is Canada in British Columbia. If you are a doctor or a nurse in the province of British Columbia, if the health minister so decides, if you refuse to receive whatever vaccine they deem, and clearly it's COVID slash the mRNA technology, if you do not show proof of up-to-date vaccination and you refuse to receive whatever new vaccine they're going to come out with, they could either strip you and revoke your licensing, Mm -hmm. or they could say, we will not license you to serve as a medical professional. So again, think of this, and this feels like that New Zealand story to me, right? Your baby can't get a heart transplant unless we put vaccinated blood in him. You can't be a doctor unless we put experimental injections in you. You can't get an organ transplant in Canada. Right. (laughs) Right If you are a doctor, so you've been been a doctor for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You've been doing good work for 30 years. You've delivered babies, and now you're delivering the babies of those babies. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have been a mainstay in your community Mm -hmm. for three, four decades. And now, because the health minister so decides... If you choose not to receive an experimental injection, all those years of dedicated service, saving life, bringing life into the world, your license is revoked mm-hmm. and you're no longer able to practice medicine. This mm-hmm. is bananas. This is like yeah. BC should be in an uproar mm-hmm. right now. People should be protesting. People, it, people should be writing their, their, their elected officials. This is wild. And Andrew, it speaks to the danger inherent in this this bureaucratic scheme of of licensure that they that control how you're licensed into specific work environments are actually those who control that entire sector of work and that's what i mean libertarians would always say that there's a absolute inherent danger in this this bureaucracy run by government because essentially the state controls all these areas through regulatory capture. And when, I mean, even Kuiper in, in his stone lectures um, on Calvinism talks about the necessary independence of science and healthcare from the state so they don't succumb for, from the pressure of state officials and become essentially a really powerful propaganda tool of the state is I do think the role there is a role within the state to give direction and advice, perhaps, when it comes to broader concerns of public health. But that power has to be absolutely limited. They can't also have that power and then also have the power to determine which medical professionals are legitimate or not, which can be actually classified as doctors. Um, and, hey, we can throw you in or we can throw you in or out of the profession. They can't have that power. Um, because th- those decisions have to be left to individuals to make. And this this law is clearly a violation. If conscience rights mean anything, 
This, this is this is absolutely a violation of those those rights. What we've seen in Canada in the past, when it comes to abortion, euthanasia, the government's trying its best to make it impossible for medical professionals to exercise conscience in the the services that they provide. So they're essentially turning each and every medical professional into a. a, a an arm of the state and they're not now professionals who can give their medical advice without state coercion. So then you have to take every thing that they're saying with a, a mountain of salt, because the only reason they can say this is and act in this way is because they have state sanction and approval. It totally is an absolutely dangerous and destructive system that if we're not careful, like, I mean, we're already past. The, the, this is all the stuff that people warned about when they warned against socialized medicine. We're here. Of, we're at the bottom of the, of the slippery slope. We're in the bottomless pit. And thank you for all those who didn't understand that there's a difference between uh, the slippery slope fallacy and incremental capture of all these institutions in our society. And one of the tragedies, Matt, in this is that there is a complete lack of trust in the health establishment now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'll be totally honest because they're probably not going to watch this show because they're they're soft status that muzzle perpetually. But I, I don't I don't fully trust my own doctor as much as I once did, mm. even though he's a professing Christian. I just don't trust him. Because he believes that the best thing for me to do as a relatively healthy 38-year-old man who has got COVID way back in February and March of 2020 and recovered is to perpetually put that poison in me, even though I'm right in the age bracket of the high risk of myocarditis and death from the vaccine. And he would say, no, Andrew, that's good for you. And so how can I trust anything he says? Or my, my wife's doctor who is saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Who like a tr the tragedy of this? I forget about the legacy media; they're not to be trusted anyway. Tear the whole thing down, mm -hmm. defund the CBC, whatever. But I mean, and doctors have mourned this. I mean, this is something Doctor Malone said as well. Mm -hmm. The utter destruction of any trust, and and Doctor McCullough said it: mm -hmm. the lack of destruction and any trust in the medical establishment is is truly a tragedy. In all of this, it's absolutely disheartening. And we're, I mean, we're, uh, we'll try to remember to link. I wrote an article about a year ago when I was thinking about what is COVID revealed, mm -hmm. right? Or a series of blog posts called The Great Revealing. What does COVID reveal? And one of the things I pointed out is that it's revealed that statism, which is a very old religion, mm -hmm. is now a new religion in that it's newly gripped Canada. And in the statist scientist religion, their original sin is the individual who believes in individual rights and responsibility. That's mm -hmm. the original sin, thoughtfulness and informed consent and saying, no, I will not be numbered in the blob that is the collective good or the good of the whole, but rather I will be an individual that will make responsible decisions for my own, my own well-being. We see that as a virtue. They see that as original sin and it must be snuffed out. And the answer in this current regime, the answer, the antidote, the only way to find salvation from original sin is to be found in the jab. 
The jab is your salvation that you would return back to life as it was. And the jab is really how you deal with the taint of original sin. So what did we hear? Don't be selfish. <laughs> Think about others. Which, Your selfishness <laughs> is a problem. Which sounds more like uh, justification through uh, infusion rather than imputation. So as Protestants, oh, again, care, that's... Be careful now. <laughs> you don't want to upset, you don't want to upset our... No, I I, I have many Catholic friends who are have been very bold in, in speaking out of the this thing. But um, so before we before we yeah. move on from this story, though, we need to touch really quickly because it's related. We needed to make mention of this. So the, just the the absurdity that the, the 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 health minister in BC would have the authority to say to a doctor, "I don't care how long you've been serving. If you don't put this in you, this this jab, this injection, we're going to revoke your licensing," which is I mean, it's ludicrous, but just, you know, just not that long ago, this is from CTV News. They broke the story. Health Canada has approved a COVID-19 vaccine booster for children. It was just this past Friday that targets more recent variants of the coronavirus along with the original strain, which as we talked about with Dr. Malone, isn't entirely true. It, or, or Deanne McLeod covered this in her interview with Mike on Open Mic, which if you haven't seen those that recent two-part interview, you got to go watch them. It's mm. it's amazing. and get stoked because we have a third right. part coming up, and, for, uh, and, and, and it's don't also just listen. Good. Don't just listen. Watch because she has on the display all the graphs and charts and figures. Yeah, but what we've seen is that they're claiming no, 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 it's up to date. It is not up to date. That is a lie. It is it is it's, it's junk. Anyways, the Pfizer biotech bivalent shot protects against the most prevalent subvariants of Omicron, BA4 and BA5, and is the first approved for use in children ages 5 to 11. If you, okay, okay. If you have children between the ages 5 and 11, do not put this poison in them. Do you understand? That's you are you are hurting them, you are harming them. Don't do it. You can't do it. But this just highlights the absurdity that the same group of elites that think they have the audacity to tell doctors we will revoke your medical license if you don't put this poison in you, even though you've been serving faithfully for decades. Of course, they're the same people that would say. Yeah, of course we can damage children that are five years old, even though statistically they will not die from COVID at all. And they also won't spread it to their parents, right? Transmission does not go from children to adults. It just doesn't happen that way. Like it's it's absurd. But this is where this is where we are. This is when you take the reins of a culture and a society and you pull away all the good biblical foundations and moorings that hold it together. And you strip those away, all you're left with is a, a culture in freefall. Mm-hmm. And the slippery slope, you're right, that I've said this before, that this, we not only, not only was the slippery slope greased up with oil, mm-hmm. and, and, and we, I mean, we, we've, we, it's, it's like a slide. So the slippery slope goes down into a slide, and, so, and it has launched us <laughs> into utter freefall chaos um, because at the end of that slide – was a big balloon to stop it from going into utter chaos. And that was mm-hmm. biblical foundations, but we've removed those. And so now the culture is in 
full on free fall. Yeah, no, it's it's sad. And again, we have to be able to recognize <laughs> the difference between a slippery slope fallacy and the thin end of a wedge. <laughs> you know, like we have to we have to be able to discern that. And we haven't been. And that, that's led us to these moments. Um, and, and you got to give it to um, the cultural Marxists and the neo-Marxists who have run this play for yeah, they, a century. They don't, they don't mind being theonomists at all. Like no. the cultural Marxists have no problem <laughs> being theonomists and they have no problem taking dominion. Mm -hmm. So while TGC Canada and their ilk are telling us to just crawl in a hole. As they, and try, and, the, yeah, as they try and find a third a way. Yeah, crawl in a hole and wait for the nuclear waste to dissipate after 75 years and then kind of emerge like a bunch of cowards, mm -hmm. right? Don't what they're what they're telling us to do is to not do what the Marxists are doing because irony of ironies, even though they're fighting the wrong fight, they understand that God has designed the world that humans are to exercise dominion over the creative order. They mm -hmm. would exercise dominion over animals and over plants and over the earth. That we're supposed to take our God and His laws and we're supposed to press it so that all would bow the knee to Him. This mm -hmm. is how God has woven the world to work, which is why he tells us to be fruitful and multiply, which is why Christ says, go make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. And the problem is within the professing church, they have rejected the way God has made the world mm -hmm. to work. Whereas the radical neo-Marxists, again, they're fighting the wrong fight, mm -hmm. but they're running the right play, which yeah. is the dominion cultural mandate play, <laughs> which is why and, they've been and, so successful. Yeah, it's not you, that their ideas are good. Their ideas are terrible, but yeah. at least they're implementing the ideas the way they need to, which is why they've seen success, which should say to Christians, <laughs> we have the truth and we have the light. And if we would run the play we're supposed to play, mm -hmm. we would be we would be significantly more successful. Yeah. And instead of le le instead of yes. leading to death and destruction and cultural decay, like the Marxists, this yes. would actually lead to, to human flourishing and life. life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, I mean, that is a very good point to, to be made is they have, they have fulfilled the horrible apostate commission better than we have fulfilled the great commission. Yes. And, and, and it doesn't take you a lot of research to find that they have um, taken dominion uh, in, in very significant ways. You only have to look at the Western world that is infiltrated from soup to nuts with this neo-Marxist, cultural Marxist uh, dominion and and world and life view that is I'm destructive. Liking, I'm liking this episode, Matt. I really like <laughs> to turn this. I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't anticipate that it would be a. We're just going be, off, I, man. Well, We're, it would be such an overt. Maybe it's Christmas time. I just preached on Psalm 14 this last yeah. Sunday, and Psalm 14 starts off with the fool says in his heart there is no God, mm -hmm. and the fool doesn't say that because of lack of evidence. Mm -hmm. The fool says that because he wants to be his own God, because he's corrupt mm -hmm. and because he doesn't want to be held accountable for his actions. And he doesn't want to be under the wrath and condemnation of a just God. And so he lives the way that he lives, thinking he's his own God, oppressing God's people. But yet the people of God who know that there is a God who trust in him understand that salvation will come out of Zion for the Lord's people, mm -hmm. that he is our refuge and our strength. And we can say there is a God who will do justly, and the mm -hmm. fool's end is destruction. 
Yeah. So maybe I'm still hopped up on maybe I'm still jacked <laughs> up from yesterday, or maybe it's the Christmas season and the reality of the glory and the majesty of of God taking on the form of a human and being a helpless, vulnerable baby who also was king. Maybe that's filtering into it. But just this this emphasis on <laughs> it is it is Christ alone for joy, meaning, peace, flourishing, and for mm-hmm. any good in our world. That's the only place it's going to come from is submission to Christ and to His laws. Okay. Okay, Before we, we got to finish the episode. Yes, I know. Sometime. I know. We need. We need. We need an organ stinger, though. I. I to, know. I know. Preachy. Okay. Yeah. So before anyways. we get into our last story, which is actually um, a little bit of a little bit of an upswing and some good stuff that we're seeing, mm-hmm. this is good. Not not flawless, perfect. Not like hey, everything is exactly how it needs to be. But but this is this is a good development, I think. But before we do, we need to tell you about our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. Rocklink Investment Partners understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing and do not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the World Economic Forum definition of ESG. Email them at rocklink, sorry, info at rocklink.com or visit them at rocklink.com. That's link with a C, L I N C, info at rocklink.com. At the very least, call the friends over at Rocklink. And ask some questions about your RSP, your RESP, your investments, tax-free savings account. Reach out to them. Get your money out of big banks because they'll freeze your bank accounts if you give 50 bucks to truckers and homeschool moms that are celebrating a three-week-long Canada Day celebration in Ottawa. Reach out to our friends over at Rockling Investment Partners. They are definitely fighters in this, this freedom fight. And they they love the Lord, so we we give them big ups for that. Now, Andrew, our last story comes from uh, the Texas of Canada. It's from... about time Alberta started acting like the Texas of Canada. Jason yeah. Kenny was making it look more like the China of Canada by yeah, arresting all those pastors. So I know it's about and time that someone else gets on so, gets, gets behind the horse. So on, on that horse note, and, yeah, on, let's that, go. on that note, um, I I I love okay as conservatives. When anybody shows a brand new respect for a conservative thinker, you have to understand that that person is totally corrupt and totally compromised because all of a sudden the mainstream media who hated Jason Kenney because he was the conservative um, bastion uh, in Alberta for the longest time, despite evidence to the contrary, all of a sudden, because he's against the invocation of the Alberta Sovereignty Act, he's this brand new respectful, like, can't we go back to the days of right. Jason <laughs> Kenny in Alberta? Like they, it, the guy like that the they States. crapped on all the time, you know. It's like but, they did with George W. Bush in the States. Oh, right? of he's course. They do it all the time. Tyrant. He's a genocidal maniac. And then after he's out of office... And then Trump runs. Oh, can't we go back to the dignified yeah. presidency oh, of George yes. W. Bush? So that should let you know right away he was never actually a friend. Like Jason Kenney was never actually an ally because if they love him, 
And if he's compromised, it's not that that turn didn't happen. He's always been this way. Mm-hmm. He was just playing the conservative game to win. Anyways, all that to say, yeehaw, start <laughs> acting more like Texas. Yeah. Matt, what's why why are we why are we hopping on our horses and mm-hmm. shooting guns in the air? <laughs> not not the guns that have been banned, even though yeah. some of us, I'm not gonna say who, might own some of the weapons that were listed on the I'm not gonna say who or whether or not they were lost in a tragic ice fishing accident. But uh <laughs> why why are we a little happier at the end of this episode? Well, I mean, you've said it. The bill's not perfect. Um I, in many ways, it doesn't go far enough, I think. But we can be thankful, as we've said on past programs, that Alberta is trying to establish some sort of pushback to our overreaching, overweening federal government. And their initial play is to pass the Alberta Sovereignty Act. So Bill 1... The Alberta Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act has passed in Alberta. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith says the act will allow the province to, quote, stand up to federal government overreach and interference in areas of provincial jurisdiction, including private property, natural resources, agriculture, firearms, regulation of the economy, and delivery of health, education, and other social programs. Smith also said it begins the conversation with Ottawa so that they do not continue to pass aggressive policies targeted specifically at our industries and specifically at our development of natural resources. What the bill does is essentially creates a framework for Alberta's legislature to pass resolutions which would enable the provincial executive to refuse to enforce specific federal laws that the legislature views as violations of Alberta's basic, Albertans' basic civil rights. Um, There was an initial concern, however, that the act and the wording of the act would give the government broad sweeping powers in their activity. However, the particular uh, section that was the most concerning has been changed and therefore is no longer a concern. Thusly, the the final vote on the passing of Bill 1 was approved 27 to seven with opposition NDP MLAs voting against Bill 1. The NDP also voted against the amendment and the bill in all the various readings. Uh, Speaking during the third debate, Smith said, it's time to reset the relationship with the Trudeau liberals. It's not like Ottawa is a national government, she said. So, here you have it, Andrew. Alberta's defending their provincial uh, jurisdiction of powers against federal government overreach. They're trying to enact in some small measure this federalist type system and kind of wrest back from the government the roles and responsibilities mandated 
to the, the, the provinces under the Canadian Constitution. And they're trying to push back against just general federal government overreach. I read the act. It's it's pretty limited. Like I said, it basically gives a framework for the legislature to invoke and react to federal legislation um, that they feel is unconstitutional, that is targeting the the civic rights of their Albertan citizens. Um, and this has to be done through the support of du- the duly elected representatives in Alberta. Um but, you know, it doesn't – it's not – as a lot of people have said it's unconstitutional. It's absolutely not unconstitutional. This is just a way for them to enact this framework that will help them keep pushing back against federal government encroachment and even soft encroachment a lot of the times that goes un, unnoticed and unfought fought against. So anyways – that's what the bills uh, does. That's how it's in, enacted, Andrew. Maybe you can give some give some thoughts. I mean, it's a move in the right direction. Yeah. Regardless of of does it go as far as we'd like? Mm-hmm. That's debatable. Yeah. But it's moving in the right direction. I think one of the strengths of federalism in the United States mm-hmm. is that individual states have a very high measure of autonomy mm-hmm. and sovereignty to do what they want. And the reason isn't just because of isn't just because of arbitrary lines, but you cannot this is something that we we've been we were crying out all covid era. Mm-hmm. You cannot have broad sweeping mandates and regulations just for everyone indiscriminate of who they are where they are. Mm-hmm. That's that's madness. You the different parts of the country function differently. There are different industries, right? There are different resources. Mm -hmm. It's just different. So you cannot say, here is the rule that will govern all people. And the audacity of the federal government. Especially over a nation as huge as ours, right? It's it's absurd. And the climate varies. I mean, just the climate. The climate Mm -hmm. in the climate in BC is very different than the climate in Alberta, which is very different than the climate in Manitoba which is very different than the climate in Southern Ontario, which is very different than the climate in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that they're, they're, they're going to deal with different things, you cannot say, here's the rule. And so more and more provinces, like, and we're going to talk briefly about mm-hmm. Saskatchewan as well with the Saskatchewan Act. Yes, yeah. you need to flex back against the federal government and say, hold on a second here. I thought healthcare was our purview. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought I thought I thought education was our purview. Yeah. I thought that weapons and firearms was our purview. Right. Like I have my firearms license in Ontario. Mm-hmm. That's a province thing. Yeah. The province the federal government can't say we're coming for the guns. No, no, no. That's that we'll decide that as a province. Mm-hmm. So they need to. And if one one of the things that we bemoaned in COVID was that every single province, one after the other, fell like dominoes doing the bidding of the federal government. They were all in lockstep. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell the difference between conservatives, liberals, NDPs. They were all the same. And we were all saying, why can't you have it like the states where an individual state will say, no, thank you, not here. Mm-hmm. No, no, you can't. And you can't. Ottawa can't say, guess what? You have to function this way. So mm-hmm. this is moving in the right direction. Yeah. More checks more and balances on human power yeah. is always a good thing. We got to clog it up. Right. Yeah. And this is the strength of the separation of powers mm-hmm. in the United States. 
between the legislative, the executive, and the, ju- the judicial branches. Now, Slowing a point a down, point preventing the federal government from just saying new rule. Here's the power. It's, now, it's sadly, slow it down a bit. Sadly, though, the federalist system in the states, I think, when we're talking about this, it's still better than what we have in Canada, but it's yeah. still worse than it was actually intended to be, and that's thanks to. Though it's a complex argument, thanks to a lot of what happened after the Civil War and during the Reconstructionist period, where the own like essentially, essentially the American Constitution and the Bills of Rights were were rights that the states had against Congress. Right? You think of the first, uh, yeah, uh, first this Amendment: con- Congress shall not infringe. Yes. Congress shall not make laws. So, so these should, are limits. Not limit. These are limits placed on the power of the federal government, the general government, uh, which limits their power and their scope of their discretion. Therefore, giving the states more power. But because the Fourteenth Amendment uh, was then applied to the states, it now gives the federal government in the states the the power to put checks and balances on the states and it really upended that federalist system now that's just a really quick argument but again i'm for federalism and i think it's necessary because i think that's the way that god's created spheres of authority and government to work in society that the most i mean catholics call it the principle of subsidiarity we would call it sphere sovereignty but these most local units of government are the most effective and therefore we should try and keep the most power and um discretion within these local bodies at these local levels and top-down federal government control is always less desirable than local associations and um, municipalities being able to govern how they're going to live in the context of their specific situation. Because as you said, um, life in Manitoba is quite a bit different than life in Alberta, than Quebec, than Ontario, especially yeah, over cold, a country as big as ours. Colder, it's colder and you have bigger <laughs> mosquitoes there. Yes, we do. That's definitely life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, our, our prime minister, our dear right honorable prime minister, shared some of his thoughts on the act as well, which are not surprisingly similar to the comments that he made regarding the Saskatchewan First Act which we've covered in in a previous show. We talked briefly about the Saskatchewan First Act. And to no one's surprise, Justin Trudeau thinks that he should be the only one to wield unlimited power, right? No one, no premier, no problem, no, no. I should be the only one to wield unlimited power because he's a tyrant and because no one else can rule like a dictator but him. This is what he said. While speaking to the Assembly of First Nations, Trudeau said the Sovereignty Act and Alberta is being moved forward as very much a political tool to try and pick a fight with the federal government, which is false. He continued, and I'm not interested in fighting with the Alberta government. He said this act will bring challenges to, quote, treaty rights that are fundamental in Canada need to be respected, he continued. There are so many things we need to work on together. And our focus as a government is on being there for Albertans. No, my goodness. Just he wants to be, the government wants to be your dad to take care of you and and they're not and they shouldn't be. 
he continues, we will stay focused on delivering for you, delivering for all Albertans. It's like he's running for election here. Indeed, delivering for all people across this country who need governments that work for him. So here he's saying at the First Nations, right, he's speaking at the uh, at a First Nations event. What he's saying is, listen, we're here for you. And the, the Sovereignty Act in Alberta, it's bad for you. It's bad for you. So our our prime hypocrite apparently cares deeply for Indigenous people and what's best for them, right? No, not according to the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations. You recall the Liberal government offered amendments to Bill C-21. We've talked about this. The give us your guns, you peasants bill. That's the, that's the full name. That's the original name of the bill. Give us, give us your guns, you peasants. So the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, FSIN, the fourth vice chief, Heather Bear, said Bill C-21 and its proposed amendments infringe on Indigenous rights to hunt both on reserve lands and on traditional territories. Quote, handguns are used in the far north. They're still trapping and for small game, handguns are still used, said Bear. We don't register our guns. We don't feel we have to because a lot of these guns are passed down through families and through ceremonial rituals. That's just our way of life, Bear explained. Bear said RCMP officers are already seizing guns and fining some indigenous hunters in Saskatchewan. Quote, they're getting fines right up to $2,300 or $1,700. And these hunters are out there simply asserting their treaty right to hunt on lands. We were promised that way of life would always be there, she said. So this is why we wanted to talk a little bit about our prime minister's response to the Sovereignty Act, because his response in grand orange virtue signaling is to say, well, this is bad for indigenous people. We care about indigenous people and we care about their rights and we want to deliver for you and we want to deliver for Albertans, and we want to deliver for mm. everyone in our country, and our government wants to work for you. And then here you have the Federation, the, so the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, saying you're not working for us. Mm -hmm. In fact, the Alberta, the Alberta Act, and the Saskatchewan First Act are good for us mm -hmm. because it allows it, it allows you to not infringe on our rights and not yeah. take our guns away and he's saying we care for you but he doesn't care for them well, because well, they're saying we like what you hate because mm -hmm. we don't like your tyranny That's and it's just it, it's just also like guys we have to cut through the demagoguery like we have to do it like th he's an actor he's he's just spinning yarn one would say he's a drama teacher. yes you know like seriously give a moment thought to how well being a ward of the the crown has gone for aboriginal people throughout the history of of our nation just just give a second's thought to that and then realize what the federal government is trying to do more and more is actually make every single canadian citizen a ward of the state and it's and not for lack of spending. No one can say that the federal government hasn't thrown enough money at this. And that's part of the problem is yes. they've thrown so much money at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody's willing to touch the real issues and all of this. And um, that's the really sad part about, about all of it. But again, it just goes to show you that Alberta standing up for 
the proper division of powers within the constitutional framework of Canada and creating a framework that they can react to federal overreach, that is an affront to our prime minister and his agenda. And that is the very reason why every province should be adopting something similar, if not better and more thorough today. Because he recognizes that this is an affront to his agenda, to that federal overreach. Um, and if it, mainstream media hates it, <laughs> if, if if Justin Trudeau hates it, they might be onto something good. We need I would be of the, the, the mind that it doesn't go far enough. Like it's really just right. creating a very limited framework despite all the, the nonsense that's being spun up in the media. But nevertheless, it is a positive step that, again, like Smith is saying, this is, this is sending out a siren call. It's sending out a warning to the federal government. Us in Alberta, the duly re elected representatives of this province, will not stand by when you, the federal government, try and destroy our economy, try and destroy our civic rights. We will not take part in that. We will not. Uh, we will not facilitate it through our executive power, and we will not give assent to it. That's appropriate to me, and that's I think. I mean, that's so that's the should be the starting point of every province who should be zealous for protecting the rights of their citizens and and protecting the identity and the culture of their specific pro province. This this is something that whether you agree with the tact and, and the culture that Quebec has always done. And what has it led to? It's led to them having an outsized voice in Canadian politics that every other province whines about all the time. And it's like, well, they're just doing the one thing that you guys refuse to do all the time. So do it. And this is a good step, I think, as we've said, in that direction, coming from Alberta. They're leading in this way. I think it's maybe the start of a conversation, but I hope it's not the end. Um, I really, I truly hope idea. that's the I case. Think Something you said there is giving me a good idea when we start <laughs> venturing into into merch more seriously. We should have a shirt that say, if the prime minister hates it, it's good for you. Something like that. <laughs> if the prime minister hates well, it, you should, you, it's probably good for you. <laughs> I, I'd be a little worried to go there, but, you know, That's it's, it's, That's it's why, becoming yeah. – it's it, because he is so wicked and he calls that which is evil good um, – it is becoming pretty, it is almost, uh, you know, a necessary <laughs> inference at this point. So let me, so we're, we're, we're wrapping up the show here. <laughs> yes, we've got um, almost two hours. Which yeah, there's international, crazy. there's international madness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the COVID stuff internationally. It's, it's wild mm -hmm. here, here in Canada, we have the Canada of Texas. It's where the Texas of Canada seems to be moving in the right direction, mm -hmm. which is good. You have BC, which is, I don't, again, I don't know how, I, I don't know how British Columbians are, like, they should be losing their minds over this. Like, if you're a doctor in BC, you, or if, even if you're not a doctor, if you, if you have a doctor, you should be worried now. Like, how can I, is my doctor compromised? Is this medical professional compromised? Have they just done this? Like, it's, it's really, it's deeply concerning. I'm not surprised that one of the most progressive provinces in the country right. is is not concerned by progressive totalitarianism 
But so so what what we're getting at here is, and we've said this already, the reason why you see all this stuff, it's not just by chance. It's not just random circumstance. The reason why we see this madness is because a country that at one point was based on biblical principles, a country that upon our coat of arms has Psalm 72, 8, that he, the Lord, would have dominion from sea to sea, a country that's built on these biblical principles is a country that will flourish, that will promote justice and the value and dignity of human beings, that will actually do what is righteous in its laws and even righteous in its punishments. And our hope is not that we will make Canada a Christian nation by merely imposing biblical laws on the nation. We understand that's not the goal here. The goal is that as we proclaim the good news of what Christ has done, that people more and more as they bow the knee to our great King Jesus, that we would see the transformation in our country while at the same time we fight to bring righteous laws into being, we engage in the public square, we engage in the political spheres because we want to influence, because better to have righteous laws than unjust laws. Even if a nation doesn't bow the knee to Christ, better to say that murder is wrong than not. That is a righteous, just law. So we're going to engage this way. But I just want to highlight a shirt. This is actually from our FLF friends in the States. Their logo is the Americanized version. But I want to show this. This, this is the Canada special shirt for the FLF network. See that? That's what we're about here. That's what we're about. We understand that as a country, we must, as a country, there must be a repentance and a turning from the great sin that we have done and a bowing and submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have believed, we have practiced, we have done evil things as a nation. We've rejected God, we have rejected his law, and as a result, we murder babies, we've destroyed families, we've crushed our economy, we have welcomed tyranny, and now we're going to start murdering teens and young adults who are depressed, and we're already well underway at murdering old people because they're inconvenient. We've rejected God, we've rejected his law, and we have brought this chaos and this calamity upon ourselves. The only hope that we have is that we as individuals in a nation would turn from our sin and would bow and submit to our great King Jesus. That's the only hope we have. And that's why we exist. We exist because we want to tell you, here's what's going on in the world. Here's the news. Here's the analysis. Here's the podcast. Here's the political commentary to inform you, to educate you, to support you, to encourage you. This is why we're engaging Liberty Coalition candidates, engaging in the political sphere with advocacy work, with legal work and representing Canadians is we desire to indeed be a united front for liberties and freedoms in Canada, but it's to bring a biblical worldview to bear upon our nation because the only hope for Canada is that Canada, individuals and a nation would turn from their sin, trust in Christ, submit to him, bow to his lordship, and then design their nation, their laws, even their families based on his good and perfect will. And we exist to help support and fight for that for the sake of our nation and for the good of our nation. Because the degree to which we abandon that is the degree to which we will continue to plunge into chaos and ruin 
And again, if you don't believe me, open up a history book and understand where the greatest evils and atrocities have been committed in the history of humanity. It's always where the out and out rejection of God and his law has been adopted and where the punishing and the removing of Christian thought and Christian belief, this is where you see this great evil. So help us, help us at Liberty Coalition Canada. Please consider supporting the work that we do here. We have a goal. It's a big goal. We want to raise $400,000 before the end of this year. And it's not because I got to upgrade my 2013 Dodge Caravan. I hope to drive that thing way into the ground with many, many years to go. It's because we want to do more for this goal. We want to do more to this end. We want to bring you more shows and more content. We want to continue to help and inform you with more of what's going on. We want to do more in the political advocacy realm. We want to do more in terms of legal representation and fighting for Canadians. So we need your help. We need your help to support us to do more that we can continue to be this organization in our country. And again, so that we can bring the truth of the word of God to bear upon our nation for our good and for our flourishing. So please join us. Please support us and help us do the work that we think will be best for our nation for the days ahead. Absolutely, brother. Well said. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As we say, at the end of every podcast, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.